well. Kia ora. When Gregor yeah. Samsa woke up one morning from unsettling dreams, he found himself changed in his bed into... It's a... Um, he is a stick insect. No, he's not a stick insect. I think people think of surrealism as esoteric yeah. or you know, highbrow. Yeah. But I think, I think that's totally false. I think surrealism is surprisingly accessible. Mm. I think it's essentially childish and universal. Yeah. You know, I think when we're children, what we're constantly doing is just making these abstract constructions around the things that we see and hear, which are completely wrong. For my brother, when we were kids, you know the song Uptown Girl by Billy Joel? Yeah. He just always thought he was saying Pumpkin Girl. <laughs> and, for, and for him, it's fine. There's a mechanic who's in love with a Pumpkin Girl. And that's just the way, you know, that's fine. That's just that's the way life is. Yeah. You know, he can't. Yeah, yeah. It must mean he, something. <laughs> it must mean something. Yeah. So therefore, so therefore it's fine. Yeah. And that's the beauty of being a child, isn't it? Yeah. You just hear things. Oh, that probably means something. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody once said um, the difference in Britain and America is that in Britain a fish falls out of the sky and kills someone, and everyone laughs. And in America they say, "But where did the fish come from?" <laughs> <laughs> I love, um, have you heard of Sleepyhead Day in Finland? <laughs> no. This is amazing. It's where once a year on Sleepyhead Day, the laziest member of the house gets thrown in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That culpability, you know, like yeah. Because in a household, in a household, you all have to somebody you have to chip in and do the stuff. Like in an office, I don't think there's such a thing as a lazy person. I think you're either good at your job or you're shit at your job. <laughs> yeah. And there's and there's loads of different ways to be shit at your job, and some of the worst ways involve the most energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Kia ora, this is a korero with Sharon Lamb, whose debut novel is called Lonely Asian Woman. It's published by Lawrence and Gibson. You can get it online now. It's a super smart and surreal novel about friendship. Um, it was long listed for the Ockham Fiction Prize and she spoke to me from Hong Kong in late March. Hope you enjoy. There's no like official lockdown, but I think overall people are staying in more. I think just by them, just like up on their own accord, I think. But like when you go out to the supermarket and stuff, there's still like quite a few people walking around. Yeah. But everyone wears masks when they're out and you're not allowed in groups of more than four people. Okay. Yeah. And the restaurants are like, they can only serve half capacity and they've like taped off all the tables that are like alternating and yeah. all the bars are closed and libraries, schools stuff like that or clothes okay so it's semi lockdown i suppose yeah yeah okay mm. it's quite it's kind of like a glimpse into our future because i think that's where we'll be going because i'm in auckland yeah once um, it ramps down yeah okay. um yeah some people and i think yeah now's a good time to bring people up because everyone's just sitting around <laughs> yeah the thing i'm most nervous about is the audio quality like i've got um like oh. a yui boom it's come like the audio is coming through my Yui Boom, which is then I've got really good microphones, so my voice will sound really great. <laughs> but but mine might be like a fuzzy robot yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sorry, which is going to make you even worse. <laughs> feel right. even worse. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I love that you that um, the way that 
Lonely Asian Woman is really funny and it's silly, but it tr- treats the silliness really seriously. Like to be silly is a really mm-hmm. serious business. Now, did you, you kind of said that you weren't sure whether it was good or not, but did you know whether mm-hmm. something was funny or not? No, because I, when I write, I'm not like, okay, now I haven't made a joke in a while. I've got to write something funny. Like, but it, yeah, again, it was like in the workshops when, yeah, the work would be read out and then people would laugh and I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was funny. So a lot of it was like unintentional. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, so you've got like the silliness and then you've got the sentimentality there's kind of like these two things mm. going Did, are you you're not afraid of sentimentality <laughs> like no you know, people are like no. a little bit and i don't think this is a sentimental book i don't i'm not saying that but people were kind of like i know that um i just heard on the new yorker podcast deborah treesman read mm-hmm. um a david foster wallace story called good people which i think mm-hmm. was really great yeah. and, but anyway she says yeah. that he sent a letter to her saying is it too sentimental and he was worried about it being too sentimental mm. Deborah Treisman is such a great voice by the way like yeah. I always listen to her like if I can't sleep and she's like yeah sentimentality I think it's a good thing when it's yeah not too much because I think once it like I don't know with the phrase too sentimental I I think that just means corniness to me like if something's really corny then it's just like you've gone over the line yeah so for me, one of my favorite writers is Banana Yoshimoto. And yeah, I think the word sentimental is often attached to her work. And yeah, she writes really, really great sentimental scenes in a, in a good way. And cause she's, yeah, she just never becomes corny. And I don't know how she measures like how far is too far. But um, I think that skill is really great like knowing how to write so the reader feels really cosy, but you know that it's not going to get really cheesy anytime soon. Yeah. But I think I was worried about being too cheesy or too corny. Um, Yeah. So hopefully I didn't (laughs) go over the line. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. Mm. Um, (laughs) Do you like facts? Is facts something that you're personally interested in? I love facts, in? <laughs> yeah. There's so many good facts in the book. There's so many good facts. Yeah. I've written down here, and it was a while ago that I actually read, and I skimmed through the book again today. Um, but I've written mm. here the, the insect fact. Can you remember what that was? Oh, yeah. That was actually kind of sad because, like, that insect fact, I remember it was, like, in my brain from ages ago, and then I just, like, wrote it in because, like, I, I took it for truth. But then I was like, when I was going through and editing, I was like Googling the insect thing just to be sure. And then I think it's like not true. Or at least there were like all these like different articles with like conflicting opinions. So I'm not actually sure if it's true or not, which made me really sad. Um, yeah. Do you, because you reference, like you've got all these facts running through, which is really awesome, but you also reference like Kafka and the Brothers Karamazov and Kierkegaard, mm. but then you've got Friends and Shakira. And do mm-hmm. you see, was there any, like, do you see a distinction between high and low culture? And were you thinking about that when you were writing? No. Uh, well, I was aware it was happening when it came out on the page. But for me, it was just more like, because when writers write, often they'll drop in their references. 
And I think in order to drop in a reference, you have to be quite comfortable as a writer with that material to like use it. Otherwise, it might not give off the effect that you want it to give off. So for me, I was just using it as sort of like the way a writer would use like, I don't know, like a, another common motif. Yeah, and it just so happened those were the things that were, um, yeah, jumping out as working with the story. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting, high and low culture in today's world. Yeah, I think the divide is closing in for better or worse. Probably better, I think better, yeah. <laughs> I re-listened to the Pip Adam interview um, with mm -hmm. you from Better Off Red, which I think was, and I, it was an amazing interview and I, I love Pip Adam. I think she's so cool. Pip's so great. Oh yeah. my God. She's super cool. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to try and kind of cover over her ground because I feel like if anyone wants to hear that, they should just go and listen to her podcast because she's, she <laughs> can do it way better than me. But I listened to that and so I wrote some extra notes. So in 2016, you finished architecture school and then we're like delaying yeah. work. Like I don't want to get a job. Yeah. So I'm going to go and yes. the, do the IML. Um, mm -hmm. and then you went through that and then had your manuscript, um, at the end of 2017. And then the, um, I think you said <laughs> the, um, the publisher who is kind of loosely attached to the IIML weren't interested in your novel. Oh, I don't know about Which... loosely, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I know, I know everyone knows who we're talking about. Um, and so they weren't interested, but so you had this manuscript and you're like, editing it line by line or paragraph by paragraph and so you had a chance yeah. to do that while you were kind of doing some hospital work or like tutoring and stuff like that yeah. um yeah. and then Lawrence and Gibson come along and they and Murdoch Stevens um picks mm -hmm. up your book and like we're going to publish it and we want you to print it for us as well which yeah. must have been just like oh my god so amazing um and then um yeah so you've got so you've got this novel like pretty much fully formed. Were there any times in that editing, that line by line editing process where you kind of lost faith? I think at that point, I w my mindset was sort of like beyond faith. Like I think I was kind of just writing, not, not, not in like an insane state, but I don't know. It was like a weird time of life, I think, because I was yeah, doing waitressing, tutoring, and then I had like my manuscript and the manuscript was kind of like the thing that kept me going through that time, I suppose. Like, yeah. So when I was writing, I don't think I told anyone I was working on it. Ah, like, yeah. yeah, it was like a little secret thing yeah. that I enjoyed working at. But because it was like secret, I felt like it didn't have any, like I didn't feel super attached to what would happen like i knew i just like inside myself i just knew like i had to finish it like i had to have like a sense of closure that i was like finished with the draft that i was happy with but because i hadn't told anyone really about it i like that relieved a lot of the pressure because if nothing ever came of it then no one no one <laughs> no one ever would know yeah 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 I like that. That's one way. I, I always feel like with tell, talking about it, um, sometimes it loses its power as well once you start yeah. explaining the yeah, thing. Yeah, there's like, mm, there seem to be like two kind of schools of people, like the people who are like, oh, seek it into the universe and it will come to be. And then the other schools like, 
just don't say anything. You'll jinx it, blah, blah, blah. And I think I'm in the in the jinxing category of things. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it all, yeah, cool. Um, and so you said as well when you're talking to Pip that you had most of the structural stuff um, sorted out in the course, in the IIML. Mm. Um, what yeah. were some of the, can you talk about some of like the struggles with structure? I think structure I was actually either okay with or I wasn't really thinking about consciously. For me, it was more plot. Like it got to a point where I was like writing and then I didn't know what would happen next. And that, I think that's what I struggled with. And because I was writing very much like, yeah, line by line. So I didn't know where I was going either. So I guess at the back of my head, I had structure as like a very vague sort of shape when I was thinking about my plot, like, oh, okay, this is sort of halfway through a book. I have about like half the time left to sort of resolve something. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you're kind of just making, yeah, you're on the fly. With um, the IAML, we have like, I think it's like the first five weeks of the year are like the exercise weeks. So like each week we'll do an exercise and then we only critique that. And then during those five weeks, some people were already working on their manuscript. So they were like using the exercises to like work on their short story collection or their novel. But for me in those five weeks, I still didn't know what I was going to write about. So I knew I wanted to do a novel and that was it. But it wasn't until like after the writing exercises that I started think about my actual actual manuscript what i really loved about um lonely asian woman was um the way that you kind of i don't know if you did this on purpose i don't know if this is conscious thing Mm. but you kind of challenge probably not (laughs) you kind of challenge for me what like what a novel and i can tell like with the references from what you were reading and the 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 novels that you seem to like like Mm. i you recommended mm-hmm. chemistry i think in some interview and then mm. and wall creeper by now zinc as yeah, well which i yeah. i love the, both of those two books so yeah, much yeah that's great and yeah. they um and i loved this one as well because it's kind of like challenges what a novel can be and i don't know if you did that on purpose but the way that i think i think about it is like you leave up the scaffolding of the work like it's like you're showing you're working you know in a math um yeah um equation or something you're encouraged now kids to show their work (laughs) is that something you consciously did or Mm, i don't think so yeah and because i guess here you're referring to stuff like the like the ted talks and the lists and the tables those kind of exactly yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think if i took if i took them out i think it it would be it wouldn't be as effective i think if it was plain prose yeah yeah Yeah. so i never really thought about taking it out but yeah just now in retrospect i'm imagining how it would read if i took out the titles of things yeah it would read not more bland actually yeah more bland i think yeah yeah Yeah, i think you you might like lose some of the some of paula some of her characteristics maybe or her voice maybe Mm -hmm. or something Yeah. yeah yeah Um, did you know, when did you know how it would end? The ending of this novel was like, cause I, I've got a two year old. So, and I think I read it, yeah. I must've read it first a year ago after I'd heard the interview with Pip. 
which I went straight mm-hmm. on, online and bought it by then. So I was kind of like emo- an emotional dad mode, but it made me cry at the end. Um, Oh. It's a really sweet moment, like a really amazing that image at the end, and I won't ruin it for everybody, but it's a beautiful mm-hmm. image. But did you when did hey. you know when that um when you when did you know how it would end? Oh, probably like a page <laughs> before it finished. <laughs> yeah, but I think once I knew that she would um leave, then I guess like then yeah, she had to get out. And then, I, yeah. So I knew vaguely it would end with her leaving, but the actual scene itself, um, don't know. I think I wrote it, and then I was like, yeah, that, that's it. That's that's done. Not much else to add there. Yeah, but um, it's nice that you, yeah, you liked it. I think I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of the book as well. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's like that's how it happens. I don't know. If like if you have children or you like have borrowed a child to be with to for <laughs> research or what how you did it but that no. that image of that hat like it's yeah so it feels really instinctual for you which is really cool lucky you <laughs> I don't know if it's in, oh, I don't know I guess it's like sort of instinctual but also like once I've written it I have no idea if it's good or not yeah yeah so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, but then knowing that this is the end, but I then, I guess, yeah, because of the way it happens with her going away, like that's mm. a whole, it opens, mm. it opens out into a whole new world potentially, doesn't it? Which you don't want to mm. go down. I've always enjoyed reading about food being prepared in fiction. So I definitely wanted to have a go at it as well. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I think you do it really well. You kind of balance that because um, that line between like you don't want too much detail about the eating, <laughs> like you don't want to see how you just kind of want the food, you know. Did you have any like false pathways that you went down that you had to like reel yourself back from because you realized that it was a bit um, silly or? It was probably, this This one was probably the silliest. <laughs> yeah, I at the beginning I was thinking about other things she could shoplift, like maybe like a diamond necklace or like a lot of money. But then I thought something alive would be more interesting. I thought about like a puppy for a while, but then I was like, oh, but then she would just be like playing with a puppy for like, <laughs> you couldn't really think of much else. So then, yeah, this is what ended up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where the IIML really helped because I had like the whole group to like bounce things off and then people could help and speak up when it was like oh this seems to go against the logic or like yeah that doesn't quite seem in line with like what's happened before so it was really really helpful to have like yeah 10 other people sort of yeah being guinea pigs to like what seemed to work and what didn't with that kind of thing yeah yeah right so to pull it off there's still an internal logic that you have to Mm, keep mm. track of yeah 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 Okay, kind of like... And like even, yeah, I don't think I could like write down the rules, but you can kind of like feel it. And yeah, when you have other people reading it, they can sense it as well when something seems to not work with that logic. Yeah. It must have been really tempting for you to write it in first person, like chemistry, Wiki Wayne writes in first person, because it kind of seems to allow you more freedom to play. And the third person, uh, there seems to be a few more rules around it, but did you try Mm -hmm. first person? Did you try any of it? Did I try first person? I think I tried some 
like the TED talk scene and bits like that. I tried some of them in first person. And then I think in the end, I just ended up changing it all to third person. I think, can't remember. Yeah, I think that's, I think they stayed in third person. Yeah. But I think for me, it was like, I wanted to stay in third person because even though it's like close third person, I was worried that if I wrote in first person, it would just turn into like my diary and then it would get a bit confusing and I would feel more restricted like creatively. But I think that's, yeah, most people probably don't have that problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. So it had kind of like, because it's th- the third person has a formality around it. Yeah. Holds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I know what you yeah. mean. And I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's like for you, but for me, when I'm writing in third person, I can imagine, like, the narrator, like, hovering above the character, and then that's, like, what I see in my mind when I'm, like, writing. Whereas if I'm in first person, then I'm imagining, like, you know, through the eyes, and I don't know, I think I enjoy the hovering sort of writing a little bit more, at least for fiction, yeah. 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 Okay, because I feel like you stay really close in that third person as well. Mm. Like you're mm-hmm. really good at like you capture this. There's something in the syntax and the sentences and the idiom and the the thoughts that Fuller has that's so close um, all the time. It's so consistent in there. Um, mm. Were there any tricks that you used to use when you get into writing? I would always go back and read like the last few paragraphs before I wrote anything new so that I could like get back into the tone, remind myself what was happening and then go from there. So yeah, I'd always start with like rereading old stuff first before starting something new. Right. Okay. Yeah. That seems like a really common, seems like what a lot of people do. Hey, it's like this. Yeah. Like read back. Paula B. I love, is it Paul Ab or Paula B? How do you say it? Paul Ab. Paul Ab. Yeah, I think Paul Ab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul Ab. Um, and then there's a Sharob as well, I noticed at the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everyone's got their, yeah. There's a John B as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I love that as a narrative, like as a way to get into the point of view of the character. Did that come out of like just having a funny joke with friends or something or was that something that you came yeah. out of the writing or <laughs> no nah, literally just a funny joke with friends yeah I think I don't know someone was texting me and then yeah they wrote Sharob instead of Sharon and then I just started thinking about who this Sharob would be what she'd be like and yeah I think the idea of like doppelgangers I re- I've always really enjoyed stories about doppelgangers and stuff but yeah it was fun to write a poor lab as well yeah um did you do a column like uh for salient was it i think i wrote yeah. down single sad postgrad yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> that's a great yeah. title that was so much fun yeah yeah um was that i can't remember what that was about yeah um right. it was i was it was pretty much a column where i was like pretending to be carrie bradshaw like i wrote very much in her tone and be like couldn't help but wonder blah 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 Except, like, unlike Carrie, I was, like, living in Wellington, not New York. I was, like, a poor student and not, like, a overly paid magazine writer and had, like, no love life at all. So that was pretty much what it was about. 
Um, so you've done a little bit of writing, but then you got to the masters and were you like, I've been doing this or thinking about this wrong the whole time? I think it was more like an amazement at how different people's writing processes could be. Yeah. Like there were a lot of us that would sort of procrastinate and kind of struggle to get like word count. And then other people who would just churn out like heaps and heaps of words and then like cut them out later on. And then other people were like in the middle and other people who would like churn out heaps on one weekend and then not be able to write anything for like two weeks. Yeah. And everyone had a different sort of tempo. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Like just how different people can work and yet still all produce something that's like very well written and like interesting to read. But yeah, the methods are just like all over the place. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. What was your what was your method? <laughs> My method, oh, I can't, uh, don't really know. I think the really good thing about the course was like having deadlines and stuff. So I always knew I had to have this by this day. So that was really helpful. Yeah, I don't think I could have gotten like a first draft out without all those deadlines. Yeah, but my method was very much just mainly like panicking, I guess. And then, and then like, oh, crap, I have nothing written. And then just like forcing myself to write something. Yeah. 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 It's really motivating, hey, <laughs> knowing that there's 12 other people who are going to like mm. waiting for it. Yeah. 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 And you don't want to waste their time and you want to, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of validating as well in that like you feel a little bit important, like you're, you're on a master's course so that what you're doing isn't just writing into thin air, if that makes sense. There's a scene... It's an amazing scene when Paula, um, she sees her friend, I think it's Jay, again, I wrote it down, and he's he's a doctor, and she's like, why are all my friends hiding their hard work from me? <laughs> like, mm. She sees him working, <laughs> and, um, and I think that's a really amazing observation, because it's so true, like, I've got a friend that I spoke to recently, and he's a, and works yeah. in finance, I've got no, we can't even talk about his job, because I've got no idea what he does, he's very <laughs> successful at it. Um, but when I talk to him, we're just, um, we're 12 again, you know, like, we're, mm. um, yeah. so when you say like, yeah, so w with that whole nine to five and working and becoming an adult and what is an adult and is there such a thing as an adult? <laughs> is that what you were thinking yeah. about? Yeah. I think for Paula, the nine to five thing very much meant like getting a job and having a routine and having a place to go other than her house. I think that's what she meant by having an easy life. I don't know. You're just like sometimes like when you're in your room, you're just like hanging out and then like you think everyone's just in their room hanging out, but then they're like randomly posting like, oh, here's like this thing I did. And it's like, I don't know, some masterpiece. And you're like, what? I've just been like watching TV all day. I thought you were watching TV all day. And then that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at, I guess. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. That's a really great observation. I think, I don't know, because I, I guess like even the thing we were talking about before with the people with nine to five jobs have an easy life. I think that's like, you could say that's sort of like a teachy sort of phrase, I guess. But I guess like whenever I had a phrase like that, I always wanted to back it up with what Paula was going through so that the reader like isn't just being like bombarded with these like random statements like 
hopefully they've like been in Paula's mind and they can see why she would think that rather than yeah yeah were you thinking about friendship while you were writing or were you thinking about parenting while you were writing I think friendship Friendship. I think more friendship okay yeah yeah I think it's something that's uh, you don't it's not the most popular form of um like focus I think for media like when I was a little kid, I I always thought that every single song with lyrics was either about like um, being broken up with or like falling in love. And that was like the two like categories of song. And like, obviously that's not true, but the proportion of like romantic focus in media is still super high. I think like romance and death, those two things are always like, they're in pretty much almost every movie or book. And so I wanted to write more about friendship because it was like, yeah, because I think I was always wanting to write something that I'd want to read. And yeah, I like reading about friendship. Yeah. 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 I totally got that. I felt, I really felt between Odie and Jay and um, Shogo. Shogo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they were, um, I could feel their friendship and like their cheekiness Mm. and the way that they're really comfortable with each other and talking. It's not mm-hmm. a great big cast of characters. Like you've got Paula and Paul Ab, and then the 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 extra character that comes along. Yeah. Um, and Eric who goes away early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the three friends, and then the the guy who comes to fix the fan. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> but did people challenge you on? So there was the internal logic of the story. But were there any other things that people challenged you on? Um. And that you had to kind of just commit to your artistic vision? Uh, there were some bits that, like, I think, I guess if we're talking about the baby, like the fact that it was glitching, some people thought that was a bit too much. I think in the end, everyone was like, oh, no, in a bigger picture, this is all right. Yeah, and I think that there was also, like, debate whether the baby was, like, imaginary or not. That was a big one. Like, a lot of people were like, no, it's obviously just, like, Paula going crazy and it's fake. And then other people would be like, nah, but her friends can see it, blah, blah, blah. And I think that one, I don't, it's just more up to the reader. I think, like, it doesn't, I guess it's a different reading of the character, whether you think it's real or not. But I think I'm not too fussed. Yeah, I think people can interpret it how they want. But that was interesting to see people thinking this or that. Yeah. One of my favorite stories by Stephen Milhauser is a story called A Visit where this guy goes to visit a friend, an old friend of his, and his friend is married to a frog. Um, ah, the frog's kind of like, it's kind of an anthropomorphized right. frog, so it kind of stands yep. three foot tall or something. But it's never, they never, he never considers the fact that it's a frog. It's just the person <laughs> his friend chose to marry yeah. and everything. Um, yeah, that so, sounds great. Yeah, I really love I lo- yeah, I love that kind of fiction and the imagination yeah. is like the, where you're able to go with your imagination is really, um, it's kind of inspiring and really awesome. It's kind of challenges everyone else, I think, to kind of write up mm-hmm. to that. I don't know. But are you writing? Because I think a year ago you weren't writing at all. I'm still not really writing. Yeah. 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 I like I actually saw this movie. Have you seen the movie um, Throw Mama Off the Train? No. 
Sounds great. It's, it's like it's like this, I guess, nineties or late eighties movie with um, Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito. Yeah, and it's about so Billy Crystal is like this creative writing teacher, and Danny DeVito is one of his students, and like the main, a lot happens in the book. There's like this double murder and stuff. It's it's really funny. Um, but there's like this line that they always repeat. It's like a writer writes, and that's like the only definition of a writer. And yeah, right now I'm just like not writing. It must be quite nice to not write, though. I just was um, I was on Twitter just now waiting for you, mm. and Army Hammer. I don't know why how I follow him, but <laughs> he, he yeah. said he had a tweet saying, "I just woke up and was drinking water from the faucet, and I was counting my gulps." Is that something <laughs> other people do? And I was like, that's the kind of stuff, like, that's the kind of depth of character I need. <laughs> so you're kind of like, you're always in when you're writing, when you're in it, you know, when you're writing, yeah. you've got your novel going, you're always yep. in it. Yep. Everything, yeah. every moment. Yeah. So you just take. It's a great place to be, though. It's a really nice place to be. Like, it, I think it's really great. And yet that gulp, can't, that's so good. That's really good. Maybe you can like modify it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> book Book acknowledges Tangata Whenua or Aotearoa. Art is made by Katie Wakefield. Music is made by Glenn Prins. Sam Lilly answers the phone. And the novel is Lonely Asian Woman by Sharon Lamb. And it's published by Lawrence and Gibson.